Give it a bebop. And eat up, do. Hey, good bottle. We love you. Are you actually recording this time? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. As uh, our listeners, if they're still around, <laughs> they didn't sign off. Yeah. I mean, I'd just say, nope, Clay. Nope, not today. Not with the state of this world. I'm not sticking around for this. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. I guess I'll take care of that part today. Thanks, Hello, Chris. How are you? You know what? I'm a lot better than I was last week. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Yeah, thanks. So, just so the listeners know... We did record an episode last week. <laughs> we did. And I would say, probably about a halfway through, when Chris was no longer paying attention because he was not sober... <laughs> I was like, we can't release this. He's given me nothing to work with. To be fair, it was a very slow day. Yeah. And I had a bunch of homies come through with a bunch of really fantastic wine. And whiskey. Yes. And mezcal. Yes. I caught the tail end of it. Yeah, you sure did. And you also didn't eat that day. I did not eat that day. And that's like a really, like a dangerous, that's a dangerous game to play. You know, yeah. it's that you you have the shop. You obviously have all these friends and colleagues that want you to carry their stuff, and so you're trying to. Listen. So when I when I came in, the entire table that this one that we're recording at right now was like covered in empty wine bottles. Yeah. And then as discussion went on, one of the guys that was with us, we were we started talking about the red best. Um, no red spot. No the red spot. That's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. The red spot. And he was like. Yeah, I'll go downstairs and buy it, and then we'll drink it. And that's exactly what happened. And we did. And uh, <laughs> that was a that was a weird thing. That was that was. I love that whiskey though. So, that's a delicious whiskey. Yeah. So that was really funny. But maybe we just shouldn't have had it before attempting to record. Yeah, dude. You guys, it was so bad. And I even was just like, no. And then you were trying to edit it after, and it was making this weird noise. And I was like, why don't we do this when you're sober? And your first reaction was, no, I got this. And then, I don't know, 45 seconds later, after this noise kept occurring that we couldn't figure out, you're like, maybe I should do this tomorrow. <laughs> and then I went home and I was like, how do I tell Chris that we need to put this into the vault? Maybe release this on our first DVD release. Yeah, yeah. well, we release bloopers. Yeah, we have two. So that puts, that puts two in the vault of a mm-hmm. trial episode and then just Chris being way too drunk on the episode to make any sense for anybody hey man you all knew what this was <laughs> there's no doubt about it um and not to and i guess i'm just gonna make it worse but i actually have i've been a, good in today. a twist Thank you. i'm a drinking twist. tea right right now yeah it's, it looks great out of a whistle pig mug that's so, right who knows i have two options for you okay we're only going to do one of them because we've been told when we do multiple spirits people get bored so <laughs> so you have to pick which one you want to do. Okay. Okay? All right. Here's the first one. Oh, lovely. And then here's the second one. Oh, shit. Okay. So, folks, what we have in front of Christopher right now is a bottle of Clonde Ensemble, which is a combination of Sotol, Luchigia, and Pacifica. So different types, or two different types of agave, and then a Dasserian Willion. And then the other bottle he has in front of him is a Portiscag Isla 110 proof. <laughs> yeah. So, very, very different expressions. And <laughs> um, eventually we will get to either one, you know, the other one 
in the future. But tonight, what are you thinking? Uh, well, when we had discussed, we had discussed drinking scotch. So I think I'm going to stick with that. You're going to stick with the scotch. Okay. That, I mean, that's painful for me. It's painful thinking of either of those going away. Yeah, this one's going away right now. It's got a great story, too. Bye, Klonde. It's got a great story. I'm sure you. I'm sure it does. <laughs> Why are you making me feel bad about this? Why are you making them feel bad about this? Uh, again, we'll do it in the future. So, the Portiscag 110. Portiscag is a very interesting scotch. Um, this is actually... Whoops, that was the ring. That This is an independent bottling done um, by Elixir Distillers. And... This is one where they're able to go to different distilleries and kind of pick out um, different casks and stuff like that. And so the owner of, of uh, Elixir Distillers is Sukinder Singh, who also owns the Whiskey Exchange, when also has like the biggest private collection of scotch in the world, all this fun stuff. Um, so he has a lot of say when it comes to bottlings and things like this. Yeah, um, that, uh, that, that interview that you, that you uh, suggested people listen to, on uh, what was it whiskey cask uh, no it was one a, uh one nation under whiskey one nation under whiskey which is done by the lovely fellas over at single cast nation they um have been going for a few seasons now we're actually gonna leave that off because that's gonna be super annoying the whole time <laughs> um they had sukim Durang and it was Incredible! It was a great story, story. and I and I hate to be one to plug somebody else's podcast. Hey, but it's fine. Maybe one day they'll uh, they'll plug ours. Yeah, you guys got to check it out. It was such a great interview, and um, Josh, who's one of the hosts, I hit him up after, and we were just talking about it, and he was just like, "Man, you know, we kind of just wanted to let him keep talking, but of course, the guy's one of the busiest people in the entire world. (laughs) So, but it's great. Check it out, Sukinder Singh. But he does a lot of really cool stuff. you know he's working with uh, with independent bottlers, and uh, also he's responsible for Black Tot Rum. That's right, which is one of our favorite things. They're about to release a new expression, which is going to be really great. We've tried it; so good. It's so good, and it's affordable, which is great. Um, and actually, Portis Gag, they're going to be building a distillery on Isla, so mm. that number is going to go up. That's very um, cool. This one is really interesting because again, this is uh, they work with a couple different distillers on isla and it ranges um from an eight year to a 14 they have a 25 uh i've picked up 45s from them and stuff like that this one uh is pretty much their flagship and you kind of see this the most uh, again it's the 110 proof but boy it does not drink like 110 and it also with it being an isla has this really beautiful nose on it and it's aggressively isla but it drinks again like something you're just like oh my this is a gift from the gods that we get to consume this and it's so well done and it's it's, so well done and it's from a very prominent distillery in um on isla which you know they don't of course they don't disclose but i can tell you off mic i would so i would say and you can just nod at me okay uh if i get it it tastes uh it it tastes like Lagavulin to me. And clearly I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So <laughs> we'll just leave, leave it there. But, I, you know, we've brought this up before. Lagavulin is your desert island scotch. So yeah. that is high praise yeah. from from Mr. Sinclair. That's right. So yeah, this is a really fun, fun whiskey. And like I said, there's lots of different uh, expressions from it across the board. 
And but this is the one that you're gonna be able to find again. 110 proof, super super fun. Um, if you guys haven't tried it, track me down and we're gonna get this in your mouth because it's so delicious. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, but yeah, man, it's just it's a really great whiskey. Yeah, and it's perfect for this time of year now because yeah, with the weather weather being chaotic and the weather all sucks, the place and especially here in California where it was so nice two days ago. It was freaking yeah. beautiful and. Today it's rainy, which I, I love the rain, uh, but it was windy, and everybody's allergies are going crazy here in Sacramento. Yeah, we got that um, false summer. Yeah, we sure did. It yeah. tricked us again. Yeah. Every, you would think. Every year. Like, I've lived here most of my life, and I'm like, we did it. We finally are going to make it through just like this really nice summer. It's like, nope. <laughs> here we are. Five, six days of rain. That's right. Well, that's Good okay. luck. That's all right. That just means more snow in the hills if, if uh, my... Lovely wife and beautiful daughter allow me to leave the house to do something fun for once. Yeah, probably not going to happen. No. So, moving on from that, one thing that we did record the other day, but we have to retell because I did promise our listeners that I would tell the story, is I, at my most recent tasting at a local Sacramento spot, had my first Karen run in. That's your, that was your first Karen run-in? It's, it's been a long time since I've been in that kind of role. Mm-hmm. To where I feel like the Karen personification has always been a thing. <laughs> the Karen archetype, if yeah, you will. Yeah, that's right. Archetype, archetype. <laughs> the Karen archetype has always been a thing. And I certainly dealt with it when I was more so on that side. You know, previous jobs and, and things like that in the service industry. But... I don't think I've really dealt with one since being on this side and since it really became a thing. Since it became like an internet kind of thing that everybody knows. Sure. Yeah. Right? So for those of you who are like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Let me define what the slang dictionary term Karen means. Uh, Karen is a mocking slang term for an entitled, obnoxious, middle-aged white woman. Especially as featured in memes, Karen is generally stereotyped as having a blonde bob haircut, which is the short haircut, um, able to speak to retail, asking to speak to retail and restaurant managers to voice complaints or make demands, and being a nagging, often divorced mother from Generation X. <laughs> so, not flattering, but 100% accurate. 100% accurate. So, I do this tasting to set the mood for you guys, and... The way it works out is like it really does run the full two hours. And the reason being is because they're pairing food throughout it. There's lots of stoppage and stuff like that. So You're showing a slideshow. Yeah, you're, you're, there's, there's, a there's a lot that goes into it. It's not my favorite way to present, but it's a way to present. And obviously, anytime there's a stoppage of the presentation, you are going to lose people. You're going to have people get excited and stuff like that. They've been drinking and everything like that. Now, keep in mind, and this will be relevant later, people paid to come to this. Okay, they're getting dinner, they're getting drinks, they got like a welcoming cocktail, but they paid to be here. Okay, so the night's going on, and I have 65 people at this dinner, which is the biggest group that I've presented to in recent history, which is really awesome. Really excited about that. But with that comes challenges, and especially for people who aren't really into agave, especially the stuff that I was pouring, which is a little bit high level. It wasn't just straightforward tequila, it was other expressions from Jalisco, so it required a little bit more explanation. And it wasn't necessarily taste profiles that they were expecting. Okay. So 
night's going on, it's going great. There's times where things get rowdy, and I'm pretty good at the crowd control, and I'm pretty respectful and stuff like that. At one point, I was even joking, we're going to do the, hey, everybody, one, two, three, eyes on me. So, like, I'm having fun with this, and most people are kind of getting into it. Well, we get to the end, and we're getting into our final expression that I'm going to pour, and I just explain to the crowd, I'm like, listen, I have just a, we have one more thing to do. This spirit is very, very important to me. And it's very important to the history of Mexico and its current distillation and stuff like that. So if you could, just let's, let's bring it down. Let's bring it down a little bit and let's just get through this and then you guys can get out of here. You know, and thank you guys all for coming, right? So people are like, yeah, yeah, what do you got? What do you got? Let's try this. So I start talking and this group in the back just won't stop talking. And it's just getting progressively worse and worse to the point where I just say, I stop what I'm saying, I point them out, and I'm like, look guys, I need 10 more minutes of your time. And then you can go and talk about whatever the hell you wanna go talk about. I don't care, I just need 10 more minutes. And fortunately, my co-host of the night, kind of the MC, was like, you have seven minutes. And I was like, I have seven minutes. I only have seven <laughs> minutes left. It was a great alley-oop and dunk, and everyone kind of got a little pop out of it. And of course, I piss off this group of ladies, right? Fortunately, the guys who are with them just left the room and went, into the other part of the restaurant, like before we even started. Oh, those they were, were the guys that I walked past when yeah, I they were, were standing very yeah. much in the way. Yeah, they were done. Yeah. They were already done. But fortunately, before we even started, they were like, like, yeah, we're not really interested anymore, which is fine. Like, I don't I don't care. That's a long time to be sitting and listening to somebody else talk. So I, I say that, go through the rest of my presentation. After a lot of these events, people come up to me and they talk to me about it. They have more questions. They want to find out where they can buy things or they want to say like, have you ever tried this? Have you ever tried that? Because you're around like-minded people. So people get excited about that stuff. And I love to be part of that excitement. So with that being the case, I have this relatively long line, getting 65 people. A lot of people want to come up and talk to me after. And one of the ladies I was in the back comes and kind of doesn't necessarily cut the line, but kind of skips everybody else and stands off to the side and waits for me to be done talking to all of them. And she waits a long time. And when she finally does, boy, you could just feel the anger coming from her. So Karen walks over and she's got the short hair, she's middle-aged, she's white, she's hitting all the marks. And I'm just looking at her, I'm thinking to myself, I'm about to have my first Karen. I know it. <laughs> and she just lays into me and is like, you are so rude. I can't like, it's completely inappropriate the way that you talk to us. And I am going to talk to the owner and we're going to make sure that you never speak here again. Or I don't even know if she said that, but it was just like, you know, I'm going to talk to the owner. And I was like, listen, you were being loud and disruptive the entire night. She's like, I don't even have to listen to you. Like, you just think you're so important that everybody should talk to you. To which at, at that point, I was just like, yeah, I had a microphone in my hand at, at the front of the room. People paid to listen yeah, to you people, speak. Yeah, like, you paid to listen to me speak. Of course I think I'm important. And, it, and I felt really bad for, I would assume, as her husband and or boyfriend because he like went up there with her, but he didn't chime in at all. And he just avoided eye contact the whole time. Cause you could tell he was like, he was like, yeah, we were loud, you know, and this is embarrassing. And, but Karen's got to get her two cents in. So, you know, and of course, looking back, I wish at some point I would have said, listen, Karen, settle down. Cause I knew exactly what was going on. Like I wasn't in the headlights at all. Like I, I could just, I could feel the anger. And then it, she came through without a doubt. And it's, and it's so funny because Everybody hates these characters, you know, because then after Jim, the place comes up, he's like, dude, don't even worry about her. Like completely ridiculous. People that had witnessed the interaction were just like, we were waiting for somebody to say something to them because they kept interrupting the whole time. So 
It's like the people who keep speaking in the theater. Yeah. You, know, you just you just want to, you know, you turn around and you look at them, but they don't get it. I had I had one time in my more younger years where I was a little bit more brash. I was in the theater and we had this group sitting behind us and we did the whole thing, right? They're talking. I turn around. I look at them. They don't stop. They keep talking. You do the shush. They don't stop. Keep talking. And it was kind of a younger group of kids, right? Eventually, I, I turn around, get out of my seat, jump over my seat, over the next row, because they were another row behind us. And I was just like, if you motherfuckers don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to beat your asses in this theater. Which <laughs> definitely would not have happened. But I was so mad. Was so angry. I was. I was so angry. They didn't talk the rest of the movie. It was great. So sometimes you got to do it. Yeah, sometimes you got to speak up. Yeah. And that's okay. There's probably better ways to do it than uh, jumping over a bunch of seats and threatening to beat the shit out of some kids. Listen, three strikes, buddy. Three strikes. Works for California. Works for Drew. (laughs) Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, to bring it back to the Karen, I mean, you know, obviously in our industry, people have these interactions all the time. All the time. All the time. Uh, Nightly if you're working behind a bar. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's just such a bummer that these people exist and that... There is that, like, level of entitlement. And just, like, the complete disconnect. Like, when she said to me that I felt I was so important that everybody should listen to me, I was just like, are you serious? How can you be so dense to a situation that somebody with a microphone would have the expectation that you'd be listening to them? It's so good. It's so good. And and I do want to say that in real life, I do know two Karens. And I think they're, like, they are two of the greatest people. And I think, unfortunately for them, they've been put in this position where they have to compensate for all real Karens because now this Karen archetype exists. So now they're like better people because of it. Like, well, good for them. Yeah, and they're That's great. great. And, I, and I, I always joke that industry people are the best people to hang out with because they often see people at their worst and they never want to be that. Accurate. And so I think that's tenfold for Karens, like real Karens. <laughs> They're like they have to make up for every internet. They're like they're like ever out there. Yeah, they're like I can't be this stereotype. Like I have to just take it all the time, you know. But so that so that was my Karen. Hopefully, it lived up to the expectations. I would love to hear more people's Karen stories. Oh, so, you're asking for the floodgates to open. Yeah. Up. So what we're gonna do? Oh my goodness! Is we'll put that on we'll put that online, and then we're gonna have everybody share their Karen stories. Um, all right. And then we'll read our favorite one, maybe our two favorites. Yeah, keep it think? short, guys. Yeah. We'll read our two favorites. I'm so looking, I'm not looking for a so give us that. Um Okay, so moving on from my Karen story. And again, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll share yours. Um, and this would have been a much easier transition had you picked this at all. Uh, some <laughs> of... Well, fuck me. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to highlight two things in the, in the news this week, and, and one of them comes from an unlikely source. Maxim Magazine actually just released a uh, uh, an article all about Mezcal. And when I originally saw it, I was you know ready to kind of write it off and be like, yeah, that's dumb. Like, why would you why would you ever listen to Maxim? They're not going to put you know the effort in that uh, that's required. I mean, especially of of Mezcal, which requires a lot. And um, boy, was I wrong. And the writer of it, Nick Stetcher, did a really phenomenal job. So. I just want to highlight that because he hits so many good things and it's not, it doesn't tell the whole story because it's impossible to tell the whole story in one article, but I want you guys to check that out. And then I also want you guys to check out Imbibe Magazine for this quarter 
they did a whole section on mezcal and agave too, which has been really, really fun for me to see because obviously I'm a huge advocate for it and I'm starting to see more and more. And a conversation that we were having earlier is you've started to build out your agave collection here at the shop as well. Oh, totally. I mean, that was always, that was always a, um, a focus point because uh, my passion run, runs hot like yours uh, for the spirit. Yeah, but uh, but you also had to build that, right? I mean, you had to build. Yeah, you like, have to build the trust, and you, yeah. you got to build people. You got to build your bank account. Yeah, <laughs> that is very true. So, you know, and the reason I bring this up is because like now you have, you know, Imbibe is obviously is a is an industry magazine, an industry publication that people are familiar with. My favorite, but it's it great. has it has really great rate reach. Maxim is going to hit all kinds. Of oh yeah, new yeah. demographics for yeah. for the industry, and. I will say it does start with that whole – I feel like every Mezcal article starts like this. Like it's not just tequila, smoky cousin. Like I will pay the next writer who writes a story about Mezcal and doesn't include that in the opening like you know paragraph. Just someone needs to get over that hump. Like it's like it's almost like if you're going to write about Mezcal, you have to mention that it's not just the smoky tequila's cousin. You know like that's – you can't say that anymore. Um, so what, What's your favorite thing to say? About, about Mezcal? Yeah, when you're introducing it to people, let's say, who like tequila or like, what's your elevator pitch? I say, if you enjoy agave, this is elevated agave for you. So Ele- Elevated agave. So elevated that's, agave. See, that's a lot more highbrow than mine. What is yours? Mine is, uh, this is uh, this is tequila's um, young, more exciting uh, stepsister. Oh my god. That's amazing. I love that. Young, more exciting stepsister. Mm-hmm. So you got to take a bite of that forbidden fruit, is what you're saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna work that in when it's appropriate. Oh, good. It, yeah. It never is, but welcome to my life. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted I want to do a quick update. The rounds are being made by Terramana, which, as you guys remember is the Rocks Tequila. And I'm happy to report the feedback is not great. This stuff is getting buried. And fortunately, I have a friend that's going to send us a couple samples and we're going to try it on next week's episode. Lovely. We're going to do it together for the first time. That's right. I, I haven't had it. And yeah. I, yeah, I won't. So, but... So thus far, which is probably... I probably shouldn't be saying these things because now our expectations are going to be super low and it'll be better than that. But... We're gonna try to. We're gonna see. So just so you guys know, the rocks. We'll just be really creative with our tasting notes. The rocks tequila, not great, from what I've heard. So <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. Now moving into the part of the show that is going to be a little bit uh, more serious, more somber, and stuff like that. And you know, we always look to find top stories and to kind of give our opinions on it. You know, be the pundits that we are when it comes to the alcohol industry which was, in fact, created by you, not by somebody else. So I want to clear that up. Thank you. Um, but it's impossible to escape coronavirus right now. In any sense. Like, physically? Just, well, for some people, <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. 
Um, for others, it's just, you know, obviously it's all over our social media feeds. It's all over the news. It's just in your daily life. Everybody is being affected by this. Yeah, your kids, um, your kids are out of school. There's, you can't go to the concert you want to go to. You, yeah, bars, yeah. Your favorite bars are getting shut down. So we want to talk about that, and we kind of want to talk about some of the things that have happened so far. Uh, a lot of what Chris just mentioned, I mean, there's there's events that have been shut down, like the Wine and Spirits Wholesalers Convention. It's one of the biggest ones in the U.S., Shut down this year. South by Southwest. South by Southwest, huge, huge event. Um, the distillers convention was canceled. Uh, distillery tours all over the world. I've had friends that were supposed to be at Uradura this week, no longer able to go. I had friends that were supposed to be going to um, a couple of different Scotch distilleries, not able to go. Kentucky wow. shut down as well. Um, the state. Yep. Yep. All the distilleries in Kentucky. Um, so it's it's really rough out there and it's especially rough for our compatriots with the our brethren with our brethren within the industry because yeah people are freaked out right now. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk to you about things that you've seen that people are doing things that I've seen that people are doing and then hopefully try to give people, you know, some options because for a lot of our service people out there and I, and I want this to be clear you know, you if you're feeling good and you feel confident, like if you want to go to these places, like go to these places and support them and stuff like that. But at the same time, if you have people who are at risk and stuff like that in your life, as myself, like I don't feel comfortable really being like, yeah, just don't even worry about it. Like go out and do it. You know. Well, I so, think that I think a healthy amount of fear is reasonable. Yeah. But that stops it. Unhealthy amount of fear. Right. I mean, yeah. like like. Obviously, the whole, you know, paper issue with toilet paper and sanitizer. Insanity. I don't understand it. I'm yeah. still waiting for someone to explain it. And the bottled water also being purchased. Yeah. I'm very confused by. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird. Um, but I have some stories to share with you about that after, but they're not related to alcohol at all. Okay. So <laughs> I don't want to continue to go down tangents that we don't need to be on. But um, but some some things that I that I have like to see, because, you know, obviously, if, if you have an email... You've heard from every company that you've ever had email contact with about what their coronavirus policies are. And then watching different restaurants, bars, and different venues release their feelings on it as well. Um, And I think there's this really kind of strange thing. Like, you know, you have these standard responses where people are just saying, hey, we're going to make sure things are super clean. And you're just kind of like, restaurants and bars kind of... For the most part, because of the standards that they're held to, are already some of the more cleaner places that you hang out. Definitely, it in the world that we're in. Definitely, they're already they're most places are probably cleaner than where you're usually like definitely your office, all this different stuff. So yeah, when was the last time you cleaned your computer screen there, Chuck? A uh, long time ago. So no, you're not Chuck. I'm asking Chuck. Oh well, uh, there. We'll, yeah, we'll wait on the response. I was generic white guy name, so mm-hmm. I went with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have some ones that have like stuck out to me. Uh, one of them was like snug here in Sacramento is actually lowering their capacity and then removing menus from that. They're also not doing garnishes and straws. And so just trying to any point of contact, any point of contact, stuff like that. And I think that was like something that really resonated with me. I was like, oh, that's how you really kind of fix that. Uh, Truckee Tavern, obviously up in Truckee, they are, they rearranged the inside of their restaurant to where people are more spread out now. Yeah. Limiting groups uh, as well. They are doing one-time use 
menus, not doing straws and, and stuff like that as well. So I think there are those things. And, and I hope we don't get to a point that like France just announced they got to where now they're just shutting down every bar and restaurant, every non-essential can no longer be opened right now. Right. Um, so I really hope we don't get to that point, but I do think that that might happen because on the flip side, you see people who are releasing these statements saying, Hey guys, we're going to be super clean. And then the very next thing they say is like, come out tonight, like club night, you know, VIPs and stuff like that. Like the place is going to be packed. I'm like, that is how you get this shit. That's well, it's not the same people. It's other people who are saying that. Right. Well, and it's, so it's balanced out for sure. Um, well, some of them are saying like, we're going to be super clean, but then they're not doing anything for capacity. Like they're right. They're telling they're right. telling two different very stories with two different yeah. you know posts and, and communication. But what are what are some of the things that you've seen that have stuck out in terms of people's approach to it, and what are some of the ways that you think they're going to try to stay in business? I, I think my probably my favorite has been the um, spreading of chairs, spreading out bar stools, you know, giving people space, personal space. I think that's great. Um, mm. Obviously, it reduces the amount of people that can that can be in your space. Um, I love Snug's idea of, I mean, yeah, there might be a line out front, which is sort of antithetical to the whole point of uh, staying away from people, right? Totally. But, but they can only do so much. So, so I'm not right because I mean because because the, the other thing is like if you were just completely shut down then people are really screwed. And these places are trying to not do that. Right. They're trying to employ their staff. They're right. trying to still give people a reprieve from their daily lives, give them a, a, a bastion of sanity Yeah. in this psycho world where you can just like sit down, breathe, share a glass of wine, have a cocktail, right? enjoy company of someone. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I saw San Francisco has shut down every bar with a capacity over over a hundred. Uh, I, I one of the ones that confused me was Philadelphia and their 10 p.m. curfew. I didn't know that coronavirus started work at 10 p.m. So it's, <laughs> it's interesting to me. And there is a lot of irrational fear associated with it, and I think, like you said earlier, there's an appropriate amount of fear to have, and there's you know you got to be responsible and stuff and. As bar owners, bar managers, bartenders, servers, all these different things that these people that are in our lives every single day is, you know, you got to do these different things to make people feel comfortable to come out because it is a very scary time. And when you have some of these irrational policies in place, it does make it infinitely harder on these spots. We've already seen it in Seattle where they've had multiple closures. I think over 20 places have closed. It's been many. In in the past three weeks. Yeah. And Um, and we're talking not... Not necessarily just mom and pop shops. We're talking restaurant groups, right? Shutting, shutting down. I was talking to a friend up there who said that uh, it was a local restaurant group that shut down, and that's 150 people who lost their job, which is horrible. You it's know, terrible. And you know, this is already an industry that operates on that those very razor thin lines. Oh, totally. And I, and I hope people understand that now that that, that you know. You're not a millionaire if you own a restaurant. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then also, I mean, you know, it, I, I do think that the lifestyle of a bartender or an industry person in general, like, can be very similar. It can be on those 
those razor razor thin lines as well because you know you have these peaks and valleys with big nights slow nights and stuff like that so you're kind of already doing that and now you're gonna potentially have this long streak of slow nights now it or, hasn't or no nights or no nights you're yeah talk, yeah if you two months no work three yeah. months no work and that's what's happened there there are bars in sacramento that have already just shut down they laid off everybody right you know and um on the flip side, though, you do have these other places that are trying to operate and they're trying to, you know, keep things clean and stuff like that. Create, create, um, you know, imaginative solutions that that should work. Yeah. In, at least in theory, you know, you're you can only fight with the arsenal that you have, right? So right. They're when you're trying to keep your employees fed, you're trying to do a lot of different stuff as well. Right. Like I had a conversation with one of our friends this morning, and he was talking about how it was dead till six o'clock. And then after six, the place was packed till two, and he had major anxiety about it because he was like, you know, you're supposed to be doing this um, distance thing right now, and nobody's doing that in that situation. So he's almost like he's adding to this problem, but he also has a responsibility to his employees to keep the doors open as long as they possibly can, you know, until, you know, if we do reach this Italy, France level where there's kind of like nope shut it down yeah it is it is over um and it's it's a shame and we don't want to see people lose their jobs and stuff like that but at the same time like you also want to see this virus eventually go away totally you know and we just hope that there's going to be collateral collateral damage but you hope it's minimized um things that i've seen so far is uh supermarkets are hiring like crazy right now because obviously they're just getting depleted constantly yeah. and constantly yeah. so if you are out there and you're looking for a job that is one to potentially look into uh here locally one of our big chains is Rayleigh's, and they've started hiring three just to get people in the door just to restock shelves yeah my wife went to our our local grocery store which is more of a boutique grocery store and um they also were completely cleaned out yeah so yeah. so they're it's it's going to be tough times, and I also have seen like a like a lot of people kind of step up and be like, if you need a meal, if you need this, if you need that. That's I mean that's always the most heartening aspect of of hardships that we see throughout history, right? It's just humanity always comes together. I've seen I've read a couple um, entertaining, we'll say, conspiracy theories, and and one of the ones that sparked my interest the most was how this this virus is designed to drive us all apart and start leading virtual lives where we don't interact with each other and i just no part of human history suggests that that could ever possibly happen yeah and it's just we are we are social creatures it's what we do yeah you know some of uh some of the other things that you're seeing these bars and restaurants do and this doesn't necessarily benefit the individuals uh working at these places but you know might keep the doors open is you know your favorite restaurants bars stuff like that buy gift cards bottle shops buy yeah. gift cards yeah you know uh, insert just a little bit of money into it and hopefully keep it afloat like i said there's there's a lot of people who are out there who are willing to help out as much as they can i mean be responsible and, and stuff like that um the soon fish company is the one i was trying to find here it's sunfish sunfish yeah, yeah, yeah. they're amazing and so they're offering meals to um, people who are in the industry and also just people who are affected by this, offering free meals to them. So if you are a fan of fish, 
go check them out if you need a meal you know reach out to them um i know that i've also seen multiple other people doing that as well and we're gonna get through this totally and we're gonna survive this yeah and we'll be we'll we'll be together and hopefully it brings people together more than drives people apart yeah and strife usually does do that mm-hmm. you know um both of us were you know of uh i'm trying to think of the right word here but we were both old enough to know what was going on with 9-11 definitely you know i remember where i was that day mm-hmm. i remember the weeks following it and just kind of feeling like that you were in this fog and was anything safe at that point um and there's kind of that aura here a little bit that i yeah, felt i feel like that um that, that weight that uh, sort of uh, social anxiety that that's floating around just in the ether yeah yeah it's definitely out there and so you know be smart don't put yourself in compromised positions but ultimately like we're gonna get past this things are are going to turn around this industry will bounce back and even though we're supposed to be kind of keeping away from each other, you know, just shoot a text, do some video chat, you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw a parallel to, you know, if you if you live in the inner city, we'll say, you know, and you're uh, walking through the hood. Okay. You just don't be a dummy. Nothing. You'll be fine. Oh, I see. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you're a dummy, something's gonna happen to you, and yeah. you probably deserve it. Yeah. So don't be a dummy. And hopefully you'll be okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, and on top of that, for our friends that you know are going to be hit really hard, you know, just just save more of that money this month. Just take it a little easy. Maybe don't blow it all on certain things and stuff like that. Just be smart. And again, you guys, this is uh, this sucks right now. There's no two ways about it. No, it's probably a good time to kick that cocaine habit, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then and unfortunately that's a huge thing in our industry. And yeah, not just in our industry. That's well, just in general. Oh yeah. man, that's everywhere still, which just blows my mind. Yeah, cut out those curriculars. Um, <laughs> those curriculars. Yeah, get rid of no more comic that. books, Drew. Well, I have a lot to catch up on, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, guys, it ultimately it's you know it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. You know, yeah. for being realistic yeah. about it, but. I think, uh, you know, thinking about some of my old, you know, Batman movies and stuff, it's often the darkest before the sun comes out. So take that for what it's worth. And, um, oh, what's, so what's the, uh, the, from the, the Dark Knight? Why did we fall, Bruce? Is it, is it so we can get back up? So we can get back up. <laughs> and, and we're going to do that. And we're going to do that together. That's one thing that's amazing about this industry is that we always take care of each other. And we're going to find a way to do that. One thing that I did want to highlight was um, Jameson has actually donated $500,000 to the USBG Bartenders Fund. Um, Putting my feelings aside for the USBG, great job, Jameson. We'd love to see that. I know I've seen organizations um, throughout the city here in Sacramento and stuff too, organizing brand ambassadors to go to different places Mm -hmm. and to use those budgets that they have to just... Yep. You know, put more money in bartenders' pockets. So. I got off the uh, got off the phone with a couple different uh, couple different homies uh, this morning, and well, you know, just spitballing ideas. Um, no one's got a perfect solution, but we're all yeah, all in it together, and we're all trying to help each other out. From you know, again, with whatever weapons we got to fight this war. Yeah, and that's and that's it. There's no perfect solution, and but going out there and 
helping out people as much as you can. If you if you do need to restock on supplies, go to your local liquor store who has that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, I went and bought a ton of junk food from one of my from one of my accounts yesterday. Yeah, you bought you a know? bunch of wine for me tonight. I bought a I I did got got the old wife approval on that one and was like, let's go get some wine. <laughs> so um, yeah, we did that. sold sold a bunch of bottles for a buddy yesterday through his store. Um, so there's there's different ways that you can that you can step up and you know ultimately again you guys. We're going to get through it. Um, now, we don't want to leave you guys on a downer. And for the past couple weeks, we have been sharing stories of our good friend, Brad Peters. And for the most part, just destroying him on this show. I would say emotionally, <laughs> leaving him a, a complete and total pile of, uh, of ooze. Yeah, and I think, you know, all things considered... I mean, that was a good time for me. That was a good time for me, too. Oh, great. And, um, but all things considered, mission accomplished. I think we destroyed the man, the myth, the legend. He probably will never... It's impossible. He's like a cockroach. <laughs> but, uh, but we want to kind of change up the tone of how we, how we get out of these shows. And I want to start a segment, and I don't know what I want to call it yet, but... Um, Is this Drew's feel-good corner? Um, happy times with Drew. <laughs> it's really off-brand for me. So it really I, I, is. I, I, I gotta be. I gotta sweating, be, guys. This I gotta is... be really careful about this. But I just want to start, you know, sharing stories either from you know our personal life or our professional life, where you know we can just end it on a little bit of a better note because times are already shitty enough. We don't need to be even more shitty and shitting on Brad because Brad's shitty enough for all of us. So, amen to that. With all that said, I'm gonna I'm gonna start it, and I have a story this week. So my daughter is almost two years old, and we made the mistake of converting her crib into more of a quote unquote big kids bed. And I say that because she does not want to sleep in it, you know. And <laughs> usually it's like a drop and run situation, you know. And so now we've had to like stay in her room with her and we've been in there for up to two hours trying to get her to fall asleep and it is just a time suck and not a great idea. However, all this in and out and stuff like that has led to an interesting development with our dog Luna. Um, she's a German Shepherd. She's actually like a miniature German Shepherd pretty much. She was the runt of the litter. Perfect size. You know, it's great. And she's always had a really great relationship with my daughter but we have a camera set up, obviously, and we noticed that throughout the night, Luna is actually going into her room, pushing the door open, and checking on her, and then coming back, coming back out, and does that a few times throughout That's the night. That's fucking adorable. Right. And so, and it was funny the other, the other day when I realized this was happening, because I had woken up pretty early, and I was out in the front room, and I heard Luna push the door open and go in there. And at first, I was like pissed, right? Because I was like, don't you dare wake up the kid and as i was walking over because i couldn't yell at her because that obviously would have woken up my daughter as well I'm walking over i watched she goes over to the bed and kind of just checks on her and then walks back out and i was just like oh my god and so i checked the cameras i'm like she's been doing this all night just going and checking on my freaking kid because she's the best dog ever so there's my feel good story for the week now you guys know i have a dog and daughter well you already knew that one but i definitely have a dog so oh that's adorable yeah it's funny that you shared that story because i have a really um you know, a, a similar story. Um, uh, I found out the other day on the video cameras at our house that Brad's been coming over to check on my daughter as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's really, we've I mean, been, he really is a nice guy. I mean, he's just been, been so climbing wrong. in through the window. Been so wrong about him. Just 
Just making sure everybody's all right. Well, he's finally skinny enough to fit in. So. <laughs> Thanks for no drinking. Oh, fuck. So there's that. Well, oh, guys, you guys, eventually we will release that drunken episode of Chris. And it's probably going to be in snippets that we'll find. We'll soon. find the gems so it's not yeah. painful. Yeah. But, um, but again, you know, we love you guys. We're going to get through this whole situation together. Um, yeah, if you have any questions or if there's any way that we can help, let us know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you have jobs that need filled or if you're looking for a job, reach out to us. We know a lot of people. I've been connecting some people all throughout the day. But, um, yeah, dude, it's going to be good. We're going to be fine. Stay safe out there, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Cheers, Cheers. buddy. The Good Bottle Podcast was recorded at The Good Bottle Shop in Sacramento, California. Music is by Leon Moore and Chase Moore. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Good Bottle Podcast.